Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is going to be your guide to breakups episode. We're going to speak with Erin Davidson. She wrote two books. One of them I have in my hand, Break Through the Breakup, A Modern Woman's Guide to Mending a Broken Heart and Bouncing Back Stronger, and Thriving in Non-Monogamy, An Ethical Slut's Guide, Overcome Jealousy, Enjoy Sex, and Honor Yourself. So Erin, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. This is such a relatable topic to so many people. Also, folks can find you on Instagram at Erin.E.Davidson. And your website is erinedavidson.com. What's your background? So I am a counseling therapist focusing in sex therapy. Um, I'm here in Vancouver, BC, and I see all sorts of people wanting to work on their relationships or their sex lives or, yeah, breakups and all of that. And I am also a writer as um, as the books would, would <laughs> As they would indicate. <laughs> yeah. So- so who like who is the book for? Because it says a modern woman's guide, but you told me that this is helpful for a lot of people. Oh yeah, and I've really appreciated your help with getting the word out about the gender piece for that. Yeah. yeah it's been certainly. Yeah, it's been something that the publisher wanted apparently more specific books they they like. So if it's specific to gender, they say it sells better, but I don't know about that. So I wrote it for all genders. Um And it is very much about like coping with relationship loss and transition and like specifically focused about romantic relationship endings. But I've heard from a few different people that it's been helpful for like changes and loss of different kinds, which has been um, cool to see it's been applied in that way. And especially over this past year with a lot of the different changes and losses we've had during the pandemic and all of that. But Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's for people who like want a space to kind of process and reflect on relationship mm-hmm. endings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really appreciate just the loads of practical advice in here because I'm a practical person and I notice that doing different things can really help how I move through the day. So for example, I've said before to folks, if you are going through a breakup and you're missing someone, but it was unhealthy and you know that, change their name in your contact info or your phone to like why you split up, you know, like <laughs> liar, <awesome>. you know, <laughs> or thief, um, stuff like that. Or I've said to folks before, like make a list of pros and cons about the relationship. And uh, yeah, some folks need more help than others, obviously. So I I just I'm really a, a big fan of this book. So what made you decide to publish the book? Because obviously there's a need to support people that are going through breakup mm-hmm. loss and pain. Yeah. Uh, Did you have like a personal motivation? Totally. Um so it was sort of this interesting way that it kind of came about where it was this particular publishing company that reached out to me for the first book um, and it was quite which is the non-monogamy book and it was quite like this intense process and I like just finished it and I was ready for a break Mm -hmm. it wasn't bad news it was actually that I was like oh shit like I have to write this because this is just like such a personally meaningful topic for me I just knew that I had to do it even though I was tired and I just like written so much in a short amount of time and for Mm -hmm. me in my own life my my breakup with my I was with my high school boyfriend for about 
like seven years and it was a really formative relationship for me and deciding to like end that relationship and then cope with what that was like afterwards was I think one of the most like formative experiences in my life and kind of learning to date and like experiencing rejection and all of that and I also Mm -hmm. see that in my my clients lives too like how much relationships are such a big piece in our lives and so it makes sense that breakups can be these like like earth-shattering thing but I also find it's this like opportunity for where people really then kind of take stock of their lives and go like okay what is actually serving me what changes do I want to make and I think it can be really inspiring to see people on the that like in that process Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for your work. So a little bit more mm-hmm. about you. You are a registered clinical counselor and you specialize in sex therapy and relationship counseling and you work with clients of all genders and orientations and dynamics. So I think that means like poly or open as well. Yeah, that's right. All right, cool. So when I started reading through the book a couple months ago, I wasn't experiencing a breakup so much that I was experiencing a death. So it was an ending of a relationship, but I was really struck by how grief is an experience that we feel for different types of losses. So you can feel grief over losing like a job or I felt really sad when my favorite sandwich place closed. (laughs) I'm like, I'll never know that comfort again. Um, So, so I, I guess, yeah, I was just really struck by how a lot of it was relatable even if the reasons that our relationship had ended were different. Um, do you have any thoughts totally. about that? Yeah, I, I'm i glad that that kind of showed through when you were reading and you kind of picked that up too, because I really feel that. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I really wanted to write the book is to just normalize that. Like, I think we can trivialize breakups as something that's like, um, oh, normal, it happens so often, no big deal. But it's really a really difficult, painful thing. And it is grief. And I think like normalizing it as grief is so important. And that that can apply to all these different situations, like selling your, your family to sell their child, your childhood home, or like, mm-hmm. yeah, the sandwich place closes, or like the dog your, dies, your dog dies, exactly. And it's the more we can make space that the mix, the like jumble of feelings that come with grief is okay. And we can just kind of normalize it. I think the better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The better for all of us, just because something you touched on something that made me think that just because something is common doesn't mean it's not impactful. Like death is very common, but it's still Mm. very impactful. Um, breakups. So I, (laughs) speaking of, um, upsetting or traumatizing, I asked some of my online audience, tell me, a bad breakup story, like a short one. But t- <laughs> tell me one. Um, all right, let's see. So one person says, we were literally mid having sex. And he said, I think we should see other people as he finished. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> could you wait? Like, what do you even do with that? Five more minutes. Uh, someone oh. else says, my girlfriend cheated on me. So I peed on her clothes and threw them in the yard. Uh, one person says they straightened the furniture, asked if I loved them and walked out singing a dream is a wish your heart makes from Cinderella. (laughs) Also, what do you do with that? We broke up at the top of a mountain and I cried the entire way down. (laughs) It's just poorly planned. 
Yeah. She cheated on me four times in an open relationship. My ex stalked me for two years after I ended it, got an apartment above my workplace and all. Ooh. He keyed my car and slashed my tires while on acid by himself. Ooh, that's another scary one. Scary. A mess. Broke up on a six-hour drive that became 12 hours because we got lost. Longest road trip ever. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, some of these are really destabilizing experiences. Um, The word that comes up to me when I think about breakups is pleasure. Because if you were in relationship, probably something was enjoyable about it. And now that it ends, it means that that pleasure or that fun is probably over or it's been over for a while. So I think that's another reason people mourn breakups Mm -hmm. is because we're moving through the world and life can be really tough. So when we feel good with and about somebody, it sucks when that stops happening. So give ourselves some understanding. Totally. And it's like the understanding of, okay, when will I feel that way again? That can be really hard to contend with too. Mm -hmm. So I just want to go into some tips because there's so many good ones. I'm just going to read, I'm going to flip through and read from random pages. Um, Common excuses to engage. (laughs) Uh, When you're longing for your past relationship, your mind can flood with excuses for why you should contact your ex. So it's like if you're if you like butt dial them and you're like, oh, it's a sign. I definitely should be talking to them or something like that. (laughs) Or you like see their friend on the street or like you can pull on almost anything to go like, oh, I guess that means I should reach out to them. Hmm. I saw that one thing that we have in common. Well, yeah, if you're in a relationship, you'll have a lot of things that'll come up. So common excuses is avoiding conflict. So that's interesting. Um, the end of a relationship is particularly difficult for people who are uncomfortable with conflict because a conflict regarding the desire to be together is inherent in a breakup. That's a good one. A lot of people will delay ending relationships because mm-hmm. it's damn uncomfortable yeah I see that a lot and like oh I don't I don't want to hurt their feelings more than I already have or I don't want to like I don't know like I owe it to them to go to their birthday or or something like that and it's like no like you've you've already broken up it's okay you don't have to protect their feelings like this is part of it Mm -hmm. and that arguably doesn't protect their feelings it's kind of like just reopening a wound totally Right. Uh, another common excuse to engage. They are great in bed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, you still have feelings for them. Obviously. You just want to be friends. That's really admirable, but you got to take a bunch of space. You can't just go from relation to relationship like to suddenly changing the label. But if you don't change how you're engaging with each other, then nothing has changed. Yeah, if you're not really clear about it and you're both like really good communicators, I think it would be so hard to do that right away. Mm-hmm. How many years have you been working with people on relationship? Like about, professionally? Yeah, like about, let's see, um, like three, four years. Okay. I think you hit the main ones. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I think that we're going to touch on this in potentially one of the listener questions, but I was just thinking of, the one where it was like, oh, I'm alone. And I think sometimes people can feel like, 
well, I'll never meet somebody as good as this person and want to keep something that's average or not great because they're afraid of nothing else being out there or not finding something. And mm-hmm. that's where I feel like, I feel like a lot of my answers is like therapy is helpful, but I feel like therapy is helpful because it's building that understanding of your worth and like what is worth compromising on and what isn't and like believing that there isn't just like one person out there that there's actually a lot of people that you can be compatible with out there. Hmm. I think the first couple of breakups for people are probably the scariest. I mean, I've been dating for like 20 years. So at this point, I think I have some kind of tenacity to mm recognize that like more good times are on the horizon if you just put yourself out there mm-hmm. um so the sections in the book i want to go over so people can understand kind of like the structure and the process for something like this like making a a specific determined decision to like heal from a breakup so you have part 1 coming to terms grieving is healing post breakup self care Recruiting your breakup team. That's a good one. Mm. Cutting ties. And then part two is digging in. So seeing your relationship clearly. That means the flaws, not just pining for the good stuff, I imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unearthing root causes. Learning to let go. And then part three is bouncing back. Preventing the backslide. Knowing your worth and getting back out there. So we'll dive into the book a little bit more. Let's take a break. Ioba Toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh My G and the Oh My C. The Oh My G is a G-spot massager with three intensity levels, a massaging pearl, and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. We are discussing breakups. This is the Guide to Breakups episode with Erin Davidson. ErinEDavidson.com. She specializes in sex therapy and relationship counseling, and is she is a writer and registered clinical counselor. So let's dive straight into listener questions. I always try to find the broadest questions to help the most amount of people in our audience. So listener question number one, how do I keep them out of my mind? By the way, do not look at their social media. (laughs) It's It's good they know that. (laughs) The very least. Part question, part really good advice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what do you think, Erin? How do I keep them out of my mind? Yeah, like as we're talking about 
grief, I'm thinking the first thing is just normalizing that, that rumination of just like thinking about it over and over again is a really normal part of the grieving process. And with that, it's understanding that that isn't something that's going to last forever at the same intensity. And it's kind of sweet in a way because it's our brain's way of trying to keep connection to them. Like we're wired to keep connection. And so it's a natural process that's happening. But sometimes when we're ruminating, what we're doing is we're actually blocking like deeper feelings that are going on underneath. And so I find it can be helpful if you're noticing that you are like thinking and thinking and thinking about it or like thinking about where you went wrong or what you should have done differently. It's to see that it's kind of a defense because it feels like we're being productive when we do that sometimes. It's kind of feeling like, okay, I'm going to sort it out. I'm going to figure it out when really there's so much that we might never know or that we can't logic ourselves to figuring out. And so if you can see if you can kind of sit with that for a little bit to see if there's any more like tender feelings underneath the like thinking about them and thinking about them and kind of drop down. And then other times we might just be kind of really stuck in that thought process and we might just need to do something to kind of like a, like a train just kind of like switch tracks. And so with that, I find more like body-based stuff to be really helpful And so Mm. if you can do something like kind of change the temperature of your body. So if you're really hot, see if you can like grab an ice pack or like go for a, if it's cold outside, go for a bit of a walk or have a shower. Or if you're feeling really cold, do the opposite, get something really Mm. warm, like a heating pad or um, go for like exercise. Yeah. Hot tea. Chew some ice. Totally. And I'm a big fan of like intentional distraction sometimes too. So sometimes you might need to just like, again, try to switch that track and do something like read a book or call a friend or like watch a show that you find really engaging to just kind of shift gears. Mm -hmm. I love moving furniture and redecorating my nest. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly. And I've talked to a couple other people who feel the same way. If something upsetting or traumatic happens and I feel like I need to shed the past, I will move my surroundings around. And this is like something not everybody can do depending on their living Mm -hmm. situation. But if you have the freedom to like hang a curtain or move a poster or shift your bed to the other side or paint a wall, it's it's very refreshing for a lot of people. Yeah. And just to like do something like, by the way, do not look at their social media. What else can you look at? Can you fold some laundry? Can you plant a flower? Like this is your opportunity, people, to get moving. Don't gather dust. Totally. Reorganize your bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Like, Make it rainbow so like mine. Color coordinate it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> If it's already rainbow, then switch it up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There is a quote that I need to look up the origin, and I'll do that on our next break, but I might butcher it, but the idea, maybe you've heard this, is holding on to anger is like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. Mm. So I think of this in just like regular conflict, anybody, like if I'm mad at somebody in traffic, but also say I'm going through a breakup and I feel resentful, just the ruminating on it and being mad, you're just going to feel yucky. So what else can you do with that energy is what I ask. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. So anything else on that? How do I keep them out of my mind? Oh, 
speaking of social media, if you know that you're likely to see some stuff that pops up and obviously you can't shield yourself from everything when you have mutual friends or workspace or region, but I will tell friends like, hey, I have to unfollow your Instagram for a while because I know you sometimes post pics with so-and-so and we're not on good terms right now or it's painful for me. And I think true friends will understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that too. And some like even if you're – sometimes your ex would be okay with that too if you tell them like, I'm just going to unfollow you. It's not I'm not trying to like get back at you or um, anything like that. I just need to – just have some space right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So listener question two, this is related. I think I need help breaking the cycle of returning to a toxic partner when I am pretty much alone otherwise. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is they think so far they'd rather be around the toxic partner than by themselves. Yeah. And the first flag that comes up with me with that question is I start to wonder um, when I hear toxic, is this an abuse situation? Is this like physically, emotionally, mentally, or sexually abusive? And if, if that's the case, I like can be a dangerous situation. So I'd encourage the person to, um, get support. And so whether that's with a therapist or reaching out to an organization like, like rain in the U S so it's R A I N N.com or in Canada, there's something called endingviolence.org And I just wouldn't want to take that lightly. I don't have the space in this book to go into that too much, mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. that it's just a really important piece there. And especially when I hear um, I'm alone otherwise, because that's often a tactic that abusers use is to like, it, it might've been not by accident that they feel really alone now. Maybe their relationship has started to really isolate them from the people mm-hmm. around them. And so mm-hmm building back your support network. And so that's something I also think is very context dependent because are they alone because they're in a, like a country they've moved to where they don't have a lot of support? Are they in alone because they have felt like they've burned out their support network because they've kind of talked about leaving their ex for a while and haven't. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's very dependent, but if it is a situation where they feel like they can leave safely I would say it's that trust that what they will build that's new is better and it will happen it will might take some time it might be hard but it's it's worth it in comparison to being in something that um that they describe as toxic mm-hmm. yeah it, thank you for saying all of that because we don't have the knowledge to know the backstory or the time and ability to explain how to escape abusive, dangerous relationships, because there's really no easy answer to that anyway, as domestic violence experts know, Mm -hmm. and people who've experienced that know. Um, But yeah, like, are you, do you feel alone because maybe your ex-partner, whatever, has like isolated you from people? Um, have they weaponized other relationships against you? Do you need help reaching out? Do you just need, like you said, like a support line? Or are you engaging mutually? And with this, I ask people to have some accountability if you are so, you know, sick of your ex and you say, fuck you, don't text me. And then they do. 
and then you respond and then you're arguing back and forth for half an hour or all day, have some accountability to stop engaging Mm -hmm. if you can safely and just put up a wall because it's really easy to call other people toxic when they don't make you feel good. But I have seen it in myself and witnessed it in other people that part of the reason the breakup takes so long is because they're not willing to change their own behavior as well. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. So on to listener question three. Oh, this one made me sad. All of this kind of makes me sad, but um, this is why we're doing the work to make things better, right? So why do I feel more damaged now than when it happened two years ago? Oh, yeah, I, I, when you were saying this, I was like, oh, I think this is maybe the question that you were going to say, because I felt sad, too. I like read the word damage. And I'm like, yeah. oh, like, what is, oh, I just wish this person was in front of us or on the phone or something, because it's a heavy, so heavy, like, I'm so curious, like, where that's coming from. Um, the first few things I wondered are, did they start dating again and they've had really bad experiences or felt rejected a whole bunch and it's kind of compounded the feeling of um like loss in their relation of relationships or have they not dated and they feel like there's nobody out there for them or I also think maybe they're like are there life factors that have happened like we were talking earlier other kind of losses um other challenges because I really believe that our romantic relationships are like really deep, even I use the word spiritual sometimes work, because I think they get really to the core of who we are, um, and bring Mm -hmm. up really core, early wounds. And so I'm wondering, is this person processing, um, even without maybe being aware of it, like, early, like, abandonment wounds or hurts from childhood, or like, it just can bring up so much. And so Mm -hmm the question of like, why do I still feel, I don't even want to use the word damage, but feel more damaged now, like later after the breakup than I did before. It's just, there's a lot that we can wrap into these relationships and grief also isn't linear. And so you may be feeling this layered, layered grief. Like there may be a deeper layer that you've hit on now that you've been um, sitting with this change for a little bit longer. And I feel like I just want to tell this person that you are just as whole as you were. You might be hurting, but you're definitely not damaged. Mm-hmm. Two things come up for me with what you said and the question. The term disenfranchised grief, does that ring any bells to you? Ooh, I don't know if I've heard that. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah, so I just learned the term in the the book is called the irreverent grief guide the author on instagram is advanced bitches (laughs) um (laughs) disenfranchised grief when you're not really allowed to mourn maybe Mm. society doesn't really support or acknowledge your pain your grief um so it could be maybe if the breakup was painful and it brought him brought up some like you said attachment things or insecurity and if there's no if there's no like social support or there's no healing for that person then that is- those issues can compound like if you were dumped suddenly maybe by someone you thought you were gonna marry, and then a couple of years later 
you still haven't partnered and you're feeling this pressure to have kids before you're a certain age, like those issues are compounding over time. Does that make sense? Yeah. And not, not necessarily everyone will have space to feel bad for you because, you know, it's not really a lot of other people's concern, like whether some person has kids or gets married. We all have our own shit. So I think sometimes people are feeling disenfranchised in their loneliness, which can relate to breakups. Yeah. Yeah. I really agree um, with that. And that right. I really like that term. I've heard of Good. Like, ambiguous loss and ambiguous grief, but uh, yeah, I feel mm. like that disenfranchised really gets that like even a more specific experience. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that too. So in uh, chapter six, unearthing root causes, which is kind of what we're talking about, you ask some questions like what really caused the breakup and most common relationship enders incompatibility, which is a big one that I myself even have to accept. Like we have to be really honest about how we are not compatible with people that we care about. Yeah. You know, whether it's sexually or emotionally or politically, uh, timing and life stresses is another one you bring up. Mm-hmm. Relational abuse, uh, communication, people have different types, and emotional disengagement. Ooh, what does that mean? Yeah, that just means that somebody's already checked out, like they are not committed to the relationship for whatever reason. And one or both of the people aren't just putting in the work to like talk through some issues. It's like they've stopped giving a shit basically. And they're just kind of letting things fester. Okay. Okay. So, oh yeah, that was the other thing I was going to say. The other thing that came up for me about the uh, damaged question. And yes, I agree. We don't like that word. Um, I'm wondering if their ex moved on in a way that they didn't. Yeah. And that makes sense. some, Right. Some people, you know, it's normal compare like, oh, they're happy or they got the raise or they're in a new relationship or they have kids or whatever. Um, And the phrase like keep your eyes on your own recovery comes to mind. I also think when I'm working like swerking, especially in the strip club, keep your eyes on your own hustle. Mm. And that relates back to do not look at their social media. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like you just can't compare. And I was I was talking about that earlier in the week where it's like what sometimes we may compare our like our maybe even our current partner's relationship with their ex or maybe their your ex's relationship with now their current partner and feel like you want to compare when it's really like even if it's maybe the person that you used to be with like it's a completely different entity once it's a different um pairing of people like you create this completely different thing and there's different you just can't compare what somebody like might see as a positive in their relationship or like a compatibility and an incompatibility. It's just apples to oranges. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this one I relate to a little bit. So I was married twice before I was 25, um, (laughs) which is a fun thing to unpack other times. Um, I'm, I'm nowadays friends with both my exes. I co-parent with one, but I remember this listener question four. someone asks, I'm about to go through my second divorce and I'm so worried about being judged by my friends and family. Mm -hmm. Well, I'll be definitely curious to hear your, your like lived experience of this, but my feeling on this is that we all have our paths and the people in our lives that matter will understand 
the nuance of your story and how things unfolded and like the people that matter basically like will understand. Um, I also get really Mm -hmm. interested about what we fear of like we will be judged for and then also what we judge other people for. And I find it can be really interesting and sometimes helpful to kind of flip that fear on its head and think, what do I think about this when I see other people get divorced or what do I even in general tend to judge other people for? And thinking about that experience and then like asking yourself the question, it's kind of like an odd question, but I find it can bring up interesting um, insights for myself or for my clients. And it's what unmet need am I expressing through my judgment? Mm -hmm. Um, The thing that comes up for me is I was wrong. Like I thought this was a person that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with and they thought so too. And I was wrong or they were wrong. Um, if that's the case, uh, for me, it was just incompatibility issues with both of my exes and that was it. Um, that was what I told my family basically. So with the, I was wrong (laughs) that forced me to look at, well, why was I wrong? What was I wrong about? And I realized I have been a very codependent, um, sometimes delusional person who acts on impulse and doesn't think long term. So nowadays, being in love, you know, that happens coming and going. I know better that I don't need to marry the next person I fall in love with. Uh, And practically how I apply this in my relationships is if I think I want to spend the rest of my life with someone, let's give it two or three years first and see how it goes. Mm. And were you feeling that fear of, judgment at all or was it and it was that judgment of like oh people are gonna see that I made a wrong decision and you were kind of judging yourself for that too I think what it was is that people were going to be sick of this again this is really interesting I haven't dug into it before but I think when you're excited about someone and your friends are excited for you or you want them to be excited about your relationship It can be kind of annoying when you have this new partner every one or two, three years that you incorporate very heavily into your friends' lives. And then maybe you break up and they just don't see them again. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I I kind of resonate with that piece around the, oh, what will my friends think if I just keep bringing in this new person? I, is it? Because, yeah, I'm also trying to kind of piece it together. I'm not too sure, but it's like this maybe feeling of, am I going to burn people out, maybe? I think our relationship models prioritize long-term monogamy. And I think we do not envision a world where we can have fluid and constantly dynamic, ever-changing, emotional and romantic attachments. Mm-hmm. And because of that, it feels like a, like a mis- like you said, wrong, which I, which is interesting to me. Like, what if it was just like the right thing for me in that time? And I learned things and I realized it was only supposed to be this long and yeah. I'm going on to the next thing. And yeah. what's so bad about that? But you're right. Like we don't have, it's looked at and the broader society is like, oh, this is not as good as if you 
found this one person and stayed with them forever. Right. Think about how we put long-term marriages on a pedestal. Like, oh, this couple was married for 50 years. And that's something to be celebrated if they're happy. But longevity is not... I don't know. I don't think longevity should be the goal. I think happiness and reciprocity should be the goal of relationships. So I feel like if my relationships are short-lived or shorter-lived, but they're reciprocal and they're pleasurable and they end on pretty good terms, I'd rather have that than putting long-term monogamy on a pedestal and then my entire world crumbles when it falls apart. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And so it is, I wonder to like bring it back to, if you were to think back to your like 25 year old self that felt like okay I what are my friends and family gonna think or I made the wrong decision and it's like the need that maybe you had was to make space to accept that you're gonna have a different relationship style maybe than just and then that's okay it's like acceptance maybe of that or embracing of that yeah there's a lot of things for people to think on Uh, So yeah, back to the question, what you said in the beginning is that the right people close to you will be supportive, I think is what you said. Or they'll understand. Totally. And I also think like, what other people judge is in a way their stuff, like it's kind of none of our business, just like the things that we might notice that we judge people for, or we get jealous of, because I kind of feel like those things are related it's mm-hmm. our stuff to work through. It's kind of, it doesn't really, we don't need to know what other people are judging us for because it's their stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and something else too. If you have a propensity to go through relationships very intensely and maybe quicker than you would like, then something this can teach you is to slow down and take longer to incorporate your new partner into your family's life, your friend's life, your child's life. I don't I don't introduce people I'm dating to my daughter until we've been dating at least six months. And I definitely wouldn't have them try to live with us until at least a year after we've been dating. Yeah. So I, I think this can really kind of like encourage being deliberate and taking your time. For sure. And yeah, maybe it's like learning that lesson for yourself of like that is how you find you function best in relationships and it it can be kind of hard to learn like lessons about yourself like that are visible to other people in your lives but kind of what we're all doing we're Mm -hmm. all just like making mistakes and figuring it out and learning and like that's okay Mm -hmm. doing the best we can doing the best we can (laughs) all right let's take another break hey there do you want to help people and make money doing it becoming a coach might be your ticket The coaching industry is currently filled with a lot of straight white coaches and working with straight white people who have the privilege to hire them. The Coaching Guild is changing that. The Coaching Guild is looking for diverse people with diverse experiences and backgrounds who want to get university-level training to become a coach. This is not a shortcut certification program. This is intense training for the real world. They are looking for the artists, the rebels, and the wild ones. You can change the world one client at a time and make money doing it. Visit www.thecoachingguild.com. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. 
People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at Oshihana.com. That's MomotaroApotheca.com and Oshihana.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Please rate and review us on your listening app so more folks can find us. Email me, theytalksex at protonmail.com. Thank you to our lovely sponsors. And right now we are talking about breakups and how to heal from them. This is the Guide to Breakups episode with Erin Davidson. Find her erinedavidson.com and Instagram at erin.e.davidson. And you wrote two books. One of them is Thriving in Non-Monogamy, An Ethical Sluts Guide, Overcome Jealousy, Enjoy Sex, and Honor Yourself. And this book we're going through here is Break Through the Breakup, A Modern Woman's Guide to Mending a Broken Heart and Bouncing Back Stronger. But we agree the book is great for people of all genders. So there's a couple of things in the news that I thought it was interesting. Breakups are so somewhat universal And yet I couldn't find a lot of news media about it, a lot of opinion writing. Uh, So there's this Healthline article, how long does it take to get over breakup? It depends. The authors admit that some of these studies aren't incredibly scientific. They're like self-report surveys with small sample sizes, but still fun and interesting to look at. Uh, There was one 2007 study where researchers surveyed college students who'd gone through a breakup within the past six months. The breakup had happened on average for these participants in the 11 weeks before the study, so within the last three months. The authors reported that a significant number of participants reported increased positive emotions, including empowerment, confidence, and happiness following the breakup. Since the breakups happened an average of 11 weeks before the study, these findings seem to imply that people recover after about 11 weeks. This is only an average, though. So another 2007 study aimed to compare the level of distress people thought they might experience after a breakup with the actual distress they experienced. All this self-report stuff is so tough because for a few reasons. Uh, It says of 69, nice, total participants, 26 experienced a breakup within the first six months of the study. These participants reported on their distress by filling out a questionnaire every two weeks. Their distress declined steadily over several weeks, just as they had predicted, and by the 10-week mark, they felt better. (laughs) So it says these findings don't conclusively offer a specific timeline, but they do suggest you could feel a lot better after about 10 weeks. (laughs) 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 so if you don't like how you feel just wait um what do you think about this um well I think it's interesting how much we want to quantify 
like how much we are against like quote unquote bad feelings and mm-hmm. we're just like we got to get it over with how long and it makes sense because I think that that's the questions that we sit with but mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know how you could quantify this but mm-hmm. I guess it's ho- hopeful it gives you hope just like it's the classic advice that most people get told when they're going through a breakup is that it won't last forever mm-hmm. um but I just I don't think we can quantify it like this. Mm-hmm. How do you measure pain? <laughs> How? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's like something you surf. come It goes up and down. There's something I've learned exactly. about death loss and grief loss. Some days are good days. Some days you just miss them more. Uh, <laughs> this article says, yeah. generally speaking, the more invested you were, the more distress you'll likely experience. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> uh, um. Definitely something that I've read in in grief books and what you just said is that it's not linear. So thank you for reminding that. Um, and also something you said is that our culture, well, I'm paraphrasing you, but something I'm hearing is that our culture wants to prevent bad feelings from happening rather than understand why they're happening so we can stop experiencing them. Yeah, you got it. And this brings me yes, to this next article that came out July 20th of 2021 on rewire.org. Could a drug help you heal from heartbreak? So the drug they're talking about is propanolol, propranolol. (laughs) A couple of my friends take this for anxiety. It's a beta blocker. It lowers your blood pressure. Anything that lowers your blood pressure you typically feel more relaxed so but if such a pill existed should we take it so they're talking about how okay so researcher elaine brunet phd a clinical psychologist and ptsd expert has developed a method to treat the painful memories that beset the heartbroken His therapy is called reconsolidation therapy and works by helping folks re-experience the painful memories associated with love lost while working to remove the emotional components of the memory. He gives each patient a dose of the beta blocker and during a session, patients explore their romantic trauma. However, the beta blocker suppresses the pain that is associated with the memory. I don't know if I love this, but I don't know enough about it. What do you think? Yeah, I feel like I would want to learn more about it because this is my first exposure to it. I'm definitely not against the concept of using medication um, in this context. I think like there's definitely a possibility it could be helpful, but um, yeah, similarly, I think that as long as our emotions aren't like, if it's not traumatic where we're in flashbacks and we're, not able to kind of make it through consistently our day to day. I think that our more difficult emotions have a lot of information for us and a lot of wisdom for us. And the more we can make space for them rather than try to fully get rid of them, I think the better, like the, like just there's so much we can learn Mm -hmm. in those like really raw times following a breakup. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm I know that therapy and medication is a combination that works for a lot of people. I also know that drugs and alcohol is something a lot of us do to numb our pain. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, 
yeah, I always encourage people just to consider your other options before taking a pill, but it's good to have options. Yeah, it could be a piece of the puzzle potentially, but it doesn't sound like it would be a kind of cure-all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So what are some resources that have been helpful for your learning? Yeah, well, I've found breakups can be a really motivating time to learn more. Um, and so I found diving into attachment theory to be really helpful. Um, I really loved the book Attached. I think it's by, I've got it right here, um, Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. And I've also just started reading Polysecure, which kind of combines attachment theory and um, in non-monogamous relationships. That's by Jessica Fern. Um, and I found like working through then piecing together understanding attachment theory in my own life with a therapist to be very helpful. Um, and as you've touched on, I kind of talk about my process a little bit in the root causes part of, of my book. And apart from that, I found I'm definitely imperfect and like sporadic with this, but like <laughs> journaling and meditation to be helpful, like any time where I can make more space for processing and feelings. And um, I find travel is really good for that, too, for me personally. I find if I kind of go somewhere new, I have more space where I'm just kind of thinking about um, making more space for things rather than filling with with work or busyness. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't um, have to be, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be a major travel. Like if you can't afford it, cause yeah. a lot of people can't, even if you can just take a different walk or bike ride or drive to work, maybe clear your brain, see something different, stimulate you, create new neural pathways. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And then the only other book I'd add, um, I love the book when things fall apart by Pema Chodron, her approach to, um, like emotions and processing and like making sense of really difficult times I found really, really helpful for me. Hell yeah. I want to read some more awkward breakups. Um, (laughs) Someone says, a woman I was engaged to broke up with me on Easter right after I had paid half the rent, spent $200 on weekly groceries and taken her to lunch. And she kept the dog she got me as a gift, who she later got rid of because she had a new baby. (laughs) (sighs) Sounds nice. Uh, someone else says, I broke up with my first girlfriend a day before our one year anniversary. I figured it was better than doing it the day after. Fuck my life. (laughs) That's what they said. (laughs) All right. Uh, someone says, I was ending things with someone I had known for two months. She ended the conversation by saying, I thought we were going to get married and walking away. Well, best of luck to all of you. Ooh, someone else says, on Valentine's Day, in the morning he gave me gifts. In the evening, he called me a cunt and broke up with me after 16 years. And then she says, damn, that felt great to tell someone, by the way. Thank you. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so I ask all of my guests this. We talked a lot about relationships ending. We didn't really talk about sex so much at all in this episode, but do you have any sex tips for our audience? Mm, I feel like my biggest like piece of, I don't know, like sex information I want like everybody to know and think about is to unpack what you feel like 
sex should look like to start to think what are the things that I've been told or that I like see in porn or movies or that like I feel like I should be doing and instead to start to think like oh what actually feels good for me what actually do I want in my life and so kind of looking at um are you like happy with the frequency that you're having sex rather than feeling like you have to keep up with other people or like are you like does it have to be penetrative sex or could it be focused more on like all the other like buffet of options that sex can be Mm -hmm. yeah that's really good advice we heard from another guest uh dr julie hamilton who actually her work is focused on creating better relationships so your your work is very related but different um and she said an exercise that she likes doing and something we've actually done together in a training was you and your partner take a little card or a piece of paper and just for like three to five minutes, write down what you think, what sex is to you or what it makes you think of or what it means to you and then compare them. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of any like funky, weird breakups I've had. I unfortunately haven't had that many interesting ones. What about you? Well, it's hard to top all those those uh, listener stories <laughs> that we started with. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Uh, I'd really have to chill. think about that. If there's any weird ones. I feel like they're pretty <gasps> standard. Ooh. Ooh. It sounds like you have one. I remember. This isn't really... <laughs> So I was in a relationship for four years. Um, This was my formative high school one. And there was a lot of reasons it wasn't healthy. And as an adult, 20 years later, almost, I have forgiven this boyfriend who was pretty messed up because of his own childhood and his parents' issues that were thrust upon him. Um, But he took it out on me. So I have to say, I felt so empowered and I still feel it to this day when I came home. I had just gotten my septum pierced. I thought I looked super cute and kind of tough. And this was a boyfriend who had tattoos, had a nose ring himself, you know, he bleached his hair or whatever. And uh, he said to me, you look so ugly right now. I can't believe you did that to your face. And something clicked in my head and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I left him. And for years he wanted me back and I never looked back. And you too, listener, you could be this person. And I took a lot of my piercings out of my face. I've had my face pierced like 12 times. But even though I don't really wear it that often, I keep my septum because I don't want to forget that I'll be better off if I'm honest with myself and take care of myself and move on from bad relationships. Mm, that's so. amazing. Thank you. And I love that that's something that stays like you still have that reminder. Mm-hmm. Yep. And nuts to you, John. I hope you got help. Um, <laughs> okay, so everybody check out Aaron's work, AaronEDavidson.com, and your books on non-monogamy and your breakup book, A Modern Woman's Guide to Mending a Broken Heart and Bouncing Back Stronger for all genders, of course. And contact me, L Stanger, at lstanger.com or email theytalksex at protonmail.com. And thank you, Aaron. Thank you. Yeah, until next time. Bye.